everybody. Welcome to Witchful Thinking Out Loud with Alethea. I am Alethea, your host. This is episode three, and I am here with Lady Keltum, who's a high priestess of the Covenant of the White Wolf, an elder in the Knotted Ash tradition, which is, by the way, my tradition, and uh, calls herself a former redneck witch of Pisswater, Pennsylvania, and is goddess only to her four cats. Well, only three, because one is a cave troll. She's been mentoring students in the craft for about 15 years and has been involved in both her mundane and spiritual communities for more than two decades and loves watching young witches grow themselves. And she is also one of my very dear friends. And I have invited Kelton here today um, because we're just going to have a chat about uh, one of the blog posts that I posted recently and uh, sort of go a little bit more in depth and think a little bit more about the issues and talk a little bit about what more there is to say. So hi, Kelton, how are you? I'm doing well this fine Saturday morning. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So nice to have you here. And so uh, I usually the first question I like to ask my guests is, tell me a little bit about how you came to be a witch. Well, I didn't grow up with a, a standard religion um, or any religion. I, I was pretty much self-seeking and my parents were really great about that. Like it was when my second child was uh, born that I'm I'm like, I, I think this is, I think this is a real thing. And, and I want to, and that's when I first found the word Wicca. And that was really a, um, an eye opener because it's like, oh my God this is a thing. This is, this is a real thing. And, and there are people in groups and communities and wow. <clears throat> and, um, and so I started doing a lot of reading, a lot of reading, uh, went to my first 101, um, learned from a, a, a beautiful British traditional witch who was, who was, there when the wicker man came out in theaters the original one not, not the 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 crappy not the nick cage version no not the crappy nick cage version <laughs> <laughs> but um uh, i i i found out through there that the um british traditional or any um tradition like that uh wasn't it didn't really resonate with me um, I, I needed something a little more eclectic. And, um, so I, I did stuff on my own and, uh, wound up, uh, attending another one-on-one with a friend, uh, where I met my mentor and, um, he's one of my best friends now. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we've been together for 20 years. Um, the rest, as they say, is history. Exactly. Fantastic. Um, so 20 years is a long time. Yeah. Um, I think one thing, um, I, I would say if you had to, to say one thing that's really different about your practice now than what it was then, what is it? Confidence. Um, when I first started out, I, um, I actually read Cunningham's book. And when Cunningham and, and I'm referencing the solitary practitioner, of course, yep. um, that's the first one people usually stum uh, stumble upon with him. Scott Cunningham. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he, 
I understood what he was saying, um, but back then um, when he published that, they didn't really have like these wonderful graphics that you could put in there. And um, so I was always afraid to actually practice. I was, I, I had this idea that, you know, I was going to screw something up. I was going to offend the gods, you know, Zeus was going to send lightning bolts down on me because that's that uh, that's where I started out was um, uh, uh, honoring the Greek pantheon because that was what I was familiar with. And, uh, you know, I um, and, and that that's still true. Like I still, you know, when we you know, I, I know this is true from the one on ones that I teach that the biggest sort of question you get or thing that you hear from people who are just starting out is, well, I wanted to do this spell. I wanted to try this thing, but I was really scared I was going to screw it up. And so I didn't do it. And exactly. yeah. And so I think the, the big, one of the big takeaways from that is, is that, that, you know, here you are 20 years later and, you know, you are, and believe me, cause I've circled with you, you're a badass witch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> back at you. <ya. laughs> and, so, and so, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it, it behooves us to sort of, to go ahead and, and, and dive in and make those mistakes and, yeah. and try the things, even though we're not sure how they're going to turn out. And that in a lot of ways is uh, sort of a good, I think, transition point to start talking about, um, about devotion. Uh, so the devotion blog that I have uh, on my site on Substack is uh, is actually a reprint from a Medium blog that I did um, uh, a year earlier. And I, I did it because for exactly this reason is that I, I felt like a lot of people were missing out on, on um, the benefits of a devotional practice because they were scared. They were, they had, they, people put a lot of obstacles in front of themselves and a lot of them stem from the same place, which is this belief that they, that if they can't do it perfectly, they shouldn't even try it. Right. Um, and I really sort of wanted to, to smash that up and, and say, you know, look, you, you don't have to be perfect at this. And, and, you know, you don't even, you know, all the things you think you know about devotional practice probably aren't as true as you think they are. Right. So it's, it's tell me a little bit about um, what you can about your devotional practice. Do you have one? Um, <laughs> and it's okay if you don't. That's, so that's hard. another thing. It's okay if you don't. No, 20 years later, that's a hard, um, uh, that's still a hard question to answer because like imposter syndrome is a thing. Um, so I, I do kind of have, uh, have one. It's not, so, um, I have a tiny house, um, and I raised three kids in it and, uh, I currently have four cats as, as you said in the intro. Um, so setting up a, a static altar is a challenge, <laughs> um, so I, I do have some areas that, um, it, you know, I've got the, the, the kitschy things for my specific deities, but um, mostly my, um, my devotion starts, my day starts out, um, you know, thanking the, the God of coffee and, uh, and the God of coffee. Oh my goodness. 
<laughs> sorry, I had to take a step. Um, so, and I pay attention to the nature around me and that became an important part of my devotional because it's like, sometimes you just, you don't have time to stop at your altar. And you mentioned that in your, in your blog post, you, you don't have time to stop, uh, stop at your altar. Um, me in the morning. Oh my God. Um, and one of my, my mentors along the way was like, well, why don't you wake up an hour earlier and do meditation? And I'm like sitting there like, seriously now kudos to her because she does i mean she's one of those people that can get up yeah i get up at the last possible minute get my crap put together so i'm like a functioning human and and journey off to work um but it works for some people i mean i i see you post a lot about um your your morning um swim exercise routine and i'm just like what oh my god yeah you know but the only reason that works is because i work with a trainer so here's the thing like for me when it comes to to keeping appointments with myself i'm really bad at keeping appointments with myself i will keep appointments to other people all day long like if yes. you need me to show my ass up at three o'clock in the morning somewhere i will schlep myself out of bed and i will be there Thank but you. if i'm like i'm gonna make a deal with myself to 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 wake up an hour early to start my devotionals, I will hit the snooze button all day long. <laughs> because I would be like, yeah, I don't need to do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and so that's so, so, you know, I think that's an important point to make is you've got to kind of know how you work as a human. Like, are you are you the kind of person who can set an alarm and wake up an hour early to make time for a devotion? Um, are you the kind of person who, who, who works better in the evening than in the morning? I mean, there's nothing that says that a devotional has to be done during the morning. If you want to do it at night before you go to bed, like after you brush your teeth, that's perfectly valid. Um, I think we, we all have this, this image we carry in our head of what a devotion is supposed to look like. And I think we, we, we beat ourselves up with that image and it makes it hard to sort of, to, to really do it for real because we're so obsessed with with doing the thing we think we're supposed to do in our heads right um one of the things that during during my journey um with my tradition um was um i i had to adopt daily things um and I was taking the bus to work at a specific time, but I, I would either read or play games on my phone. And, you know, it got to a point where it's like, no, I'm not going to take my book. I'm going to leave my phone off and I'm going to spend this time. And, and I was very fortunate because our uh, transit system in, in Buffalo is, um, uh, not as um, interesting as in <laughs> some major cities. So I didn't have that feeling of not feeling safe if I closed my eyes and just meditated uh, or, um, and, and I'm using one part of that term um, in terms of just letting my brain shut down, not a meditational journey always. 
And sometimes I would, during that, you know, the thought would pop into my head, talk to God or goddess and that. So in terms of my devotionals, it's more or less a do something, not a, I'm going to do this every single day for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is, it does, it feels intimidating. And, and when you, when you are already perhaps a little bit nervous because you're not sure if you're doing it right, because, oh my gosh, what will happen if I don't do it right? Exactly. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's important, I think, A, to realize that, that anything, you know, try anything, try anything that you think is going to work, that's going to have, you know, because what, what makes a devotional, what brings the impact in a devotional is, is doing it consistently over time. And notice that I say consistently over time and not daily, right. um, because, you know, I consider myself to have regular devotionals and I do not do them daily. Right. Um, like I woke up this morning and I'm like, okay, I got to get myself together. I've got this thing that I'm recording with Keltum. I got to make some breakfast. I got to, you know, work out my technology to make sure that I'm ready to record the podcast. And like, in all of that, I was like, yeah, today I'm just going to have to let it go. Um, and I'll come back tomorrow. And that's just it is you always have the next day. Right. Um, and you don't want to, that can become a crutch. Uh, there's plenty of, plenty of things that, that end up becoming a non thing because I keep saying, well, maybe tomorrow and maybe tomorrow and maybe the next day. And so it never happens. <laughs> um, so, so it's good to know that that can also be a really, really good excuse. Um, but also, uh, to not, to forgive yourself if you're not perfect. Um, so yeah. I'm willing to bet that as you were describing to me what you were doing and the thinking about the devotional and how you do the devotional, you have done your devotional in your head already, just not at that altar. Now that's a, that's a really good point and a cool thought is that, um, again, to realize that a devotional is not necessarily a physical exercise, but it's also a mental exercise. Yeah. And so you can, in fact, um, do your devotional in your head, even if you can't get to your altar. Right. And I know you travel for work a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I, I doubt you take your, your altar with you when you travel. Um, but you can still do the devotional in your head. It's just a matter of your perspective and transferring your consciousness to your altar where you normally do your devotion. Yeah. And even just because, because, because devotion is more than just, you know, I'm sitting at my altar and lighting this candle or doing this, this activity or whatever it is that you've, you've decided to do. And it can be almost anything, right? but, it, but the, the big, actually the biggest, most consistent part of the devotional is you. Yep. Um, and so really it's, what are you doing physically and mentally? And, and so once you sort of unpack that a little bit or, 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 or sort of point some intention at that a little bit and sort of, you know, break down, well, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And, and what is it supposed to accomplish? 
um, you can usually, you know, if you can't do the things that you always do at your altar, you can do a reasonable facsimile. Yeah. Um, you know, come up with a stand-in and it doesn't have to be as elaborate. doesn't have to be elaborate at all. Um, that's the other thing is I think, um, it can, things can be soup, you know, people get, get all torqued up on the notion of, I have to have the meditation for an hour and I have to, you know, do the exercise where I like clear my mind of all thought. And, you know, what I have to like say this prayer in this way with these beads and that candle and, and yeah, all, none of it is, none of it is required. Um, right. it, it may, you know, you may get to a place where, where that's, that's what works for you. And so you really want to do all that and that's um, fine, and that's great. But if, you know, seriously, if all you can muster is like, I am grateful. I am grateful. I am grateful. Um, yes. Then you've done a devotional <laughs> right there. Um, if that's all you can manage in the morning is, is, is looking out the window at a nice patch of grass and being like, I am grateful. I am grateful. I'm grateful. You've just done a devotion. You don't need to do anything else, but if you do that consistently, I guarantee your life will change in some way. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're always elevating yourself when you consciously connect yourself to the universe you're always elevating yourself in some way shape or form like it kills me uh the these these people who um found the spiritual section in barnes and noble 20 minutes ago and they're like oh my god and they always sound like you know the the nasally 80s valley girl oh my god if you're not doing like 50 devotionals every day are you really spiritual yeah no yeah you are you know if you're feeding your child every day you are devo- you are you are performing a devotional yes and and you know the 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 magic isn't what you do. It is something, it is something you do, but it is, it comes from you. Um, yeah. And, and I don't look at devotionals as, uh, um, a magical act. I, I have a, a separate definition for, for magic. I, I don't use the two inter, interchangeably. Um, yeah, I agree. They're not, it's not quite this doing a spell and doing devotion are not the same thing. Right. Right. Um, devotion is connection. Um, and, and to me, magic is manipulation of, uh, cosmic energy. So the, there's a, there's a, a slight difference there. You're not always. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. And I think that's important because I think that, um, you know, one of the things, especially that we're seeing more of, uh, I think in recent years in, in the craft is um, people really understanding that the, the craft as a practice is not necessarily a spiritual practice always. Um, you know, you, you don't have to have a particular type of spiritual practice in order to be a witch right. and you don't need to be you know, although I will say this, and this is, this is something that, that I actually believe very strongly. If you are trying to be a witch and you are not connecting with some kind of spiritual practice that, that actually requires you to, to, um, 
develop your self-awareness and develop an understanding of your shadow self that that you are making yourself a danger to yourself and others i would agree with that statement yeah uh i've i've uh seen people they they come for mentoring i i've had a lot of students come and go um and i've i've actually seen some who they wanted the power of witchcraft without building a good foundation and um those are students that it's like i said goodbye to because it's like i you know you're gonna come to me <laughs> six months down the road and be like oh i did this thing how do i undo it well fuck you said it out there what what <laughs> what were you thinking <laughs> yeah exactly or or worse yet um they just start doing stuff that 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 for them for themselves and and completely completely ignore the community of practice around them and actually start working injury on the witches who are in their wake and yeah. without really thinking about it because for them it's all about what do i want what do i need it's all about me 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 and you know that's that's usually a recipe for a lot of pain and heartache and and devastation um and so it's yeah so for me i am always like the reason i think devotional practice is so important is because it is um a safeguard to the rest of your craft um in, in terms of of giving you the that internal wherewithal that will keep you from doing the messed up shit that will keep you from harming those around you that will keep you from becoming sort of selfish and arrogant and way too high on your own juice um <laughs> well that's an interesting statement because i know someone who um did what they considered devotionals and it was um it was one of those things where it was i'm gonna make this connection with this deity and i'm going to use this and that and the other thing and you know wake up at 2 a.m and you know make sure all the stars are in alignment and do the things and in in the end he, this person had done some stuff that um wound up being a detriment to some of the people around him and he called these devotionals and and that's great he he was devoting himself to specific deities and but if you're going to devote to specific deities you also need to be behaving in the way that is expected with those deities uh for instance i i um, have worked with morgan and um i had a friend who had a court date coming up and this friend I did the work. I asked the Morgan to assist, and then she proceeded to perjure herself in court and lose her case. 
and she knew that I work with the Morgan. She knew about the Morgan and she still did that and she lost her case. And I'm like, well, what the fuck did you expect? Did you expect her to reward you? Your shit wasn't clean. Right. And I think that that raises an important point of, um, sort of what devotional, what devotion is and what it isn't. And, um, to me, what, what separates some of this is, you know, who are you there for? Mm -hmm. And, and is this, is this, are you making yourself vulnerable in this? Are you, is this about opening yourself up or is this about you extracting? Right. Um, and I think that the devotional practice, when it's honest and when it's really doing what it's supposed to be doing, is a process of opening yourself up to the universe, making yourself vulnerable to whatever spirit decides to send you and, and, and making that, that space where, where you sort of say, okay, I'm here and I'm ready to be taught. Um, as opposed to saying, I'm here, where's my candy? Um, and that's, that's, I think a really big difference when it comes to devotional work is that it really is about, um, you know, if you're, if you're, it's creating that container in which you can open yourself up, um, to whatever spirit you're working with, to whatever, you know, whatever practice you're working with and, and sort of get a chance to sort of see what make that, that clear space. So you can start seeing what's inside. And I believe psychologically, the way that consistency helps is because, um, you start by creating a consistent practice, like doing the same thing every time, um, you, you create a, a space where you know what to expect, where there are, where you've eliminated some of the externalities. And so you can start to see the difference in yourself every time you come back to that space. Yeah. You know, if I, you know, when I come, if I, I, you know, I'm going to go back to, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. If you are observant in that moment, um, you know, you've created this sort of container with these words, um, that is a space of gratitude. What you, you are going to observe in that state of gratitude is going to change day to day. Um, it's also going to grow if you keep doing it day to day. And so with that simple act, if you're, if you're focusing in on, you know, what, 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 bringing yourself honestly into that space and attentively into that space so that you can observe what's different, what's new, what, what's happening here, what is in this communion relationship. Um, so what you're doing in your devotionals is just, you know, going to the gods and looking for candy. Um, (laughs) you may, you may or may not get. Uh, what you, A, you won't necessarily get what you bargained for um, because, you know, the gods that we work with uh, don't, don't tend to necessarily, uh, they're not obedient. <laughs> they have their own agendas. They have their own uh, yeah. way of working. Point me to a story where they've ever been obedient. To exactly. Exactly. Each other. You're in, exactly. You're, you're opening yourself up to, to forces of the universe that are incredibly powerful, very strong willed and incredibly chaotic to some extent. Oh, yeah. Um, some more than others, but, but, you know, incredibly chaotic in that they really don't much care what they do to your life. 
<laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> exactly. They sort of, they're not going to, they're going to, they, they may give you what you ask for, but they, they, they will give you more than you bargained for more than you thought you were asking for, because, you know, very often we walk into situations and, and we don't quite know what we think we know what we're asking for. And, and we really haven't thought it all the way through. Um, so, yeah. So I think devotion it, the critical part, of, one of the critical parts of devotion is, is to treat it as a, a place to make yourself vulnerable. Um, yes. And it's a place to work on yourself. Um, and it's a place of listening as well as speaking. Right. Um, so I think that's super, super important because, and I do, you know, I, I, I understand your point of, um, you know, if you're just, if you're just in it because you want the, the, the candy, um, you know, that will, that will go badly for you eventually. Well, I mean, you can, you can offer up, uh, for example, blood. Um, I, I know a couple of people who, um, do, uh, blood magic. Um, you can offer up your blood. And by that, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm giving you my blood. And but again, that may not be what they want or need. And you have to ask yourself why you're willing to make that kind of sacrifice on the regular. Is it because eventually you want them to give you the candy? Or is it because you're truly that devoted and if well and that's that's another thing of the the sort of the prove my love form of devotion yes um that's what i was looking to try and say prove my love form of devotion which you know if you've ever had a bad boyfriend you know that that's like toxic as fuck um (laughs) you know the, you know, cause the fact is, and here's the weird part. Um, I'm about to say something that I think might be controversial, but I don't know. Um, the truth is, is our gods don't ask us for this. Right. You know, they, you know, I do a lot of work with Freya. Freya is not sitting there waiting for me every morning going, okay, okay, bitch, when are you going to show up? Right. <laughs> you know, right. She's not there doing that. For, like, I mean, you know, I think if I stopped showing up on the regular because she and I have a very specific relationship involving oaths, and that's another issue. Right. Um, that, you know, there would probably be spiritual consequences for me if I didn't show up on the regular. Right. But it's not like she's sitting there with a clipboard checking off her list of, okay, did Alethea show up and do the things? Does she have a perfect attendance record? (laughs) And and so, you know, and the truth is the God, you know, the gods that we work with aren't sitting around waiting for humans to, to, to show up and, and, and ask for candy um, or even bring devotion. And, you know, certainly they will respond if you reach out to them. Um, and they will form a relationship with you, but, um, it's honestly no skin off their noses if we never come to them. Right. 
Now, where, where um, to my way of thinking, um, it is important is if you look at the ones that throughout my, my training and reading and experience, um, the, it is the ideal of how much energy we devote towards certain um, deity forms, and I'll put it that way, it is tantamount to how powerful they are. There have been some very powerful deities who stopped being worshipped and have been forgotten. And the, the question is, you know, can we bring them back? And how much can we get from them? I mean, that's, that's, that's a rabbit hole. You talked about rabbit holes in your thing. And that, that's a rabbit hole that, that is um, very interesting way to think about it so I, I think that in some ways they they are kind of like wow holy crap you know we're losing followers um I, yeah, I, 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 see, I hesitate to I hesitate to try and think for the gods I hesitate to try and put myself into you know what must the gods be thinking um, <laughs> right because, because quite frankly I am a I am a, a an earthly creature rendered in three-dimensional form uh, I have a finite brain um, and so from my attempts to grasp the infinite are by their very nature going to be suspect um, <laughs> and so I, I I sort of hesitate to 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 imagine what the gods are thinking that said, you know, the, the point you raise is an interesting one. It's one that, that um, if you've ever read Neil Gaiman's American Gods, it's definitely a, sort of a centerpiece of that book. And I love that book. It's one of my favorite books ever. I actually have that on my shelf waiting to be read. Uh, oh. I have other things doing uh, that, that need to, to be done. But I, I watched Make the time. series and I, I, I cried because uh, Shadow Moon, the, the actor who played him. <sighs> yes, yes. But definitely because that book, it's fantastic. And it's exactly goes exactly down that 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 issue of um, how much are the gods really sort of almost like egregores that humans form because of our, our devotional practice to them. Right. Um, you know, but the thing is, is you can have a devotional practice without a god. Oh, totally. And that's totally. that's the other half of this is because it, that that's the, the point is is. You know, this idea that, that I have to, to, my devotional practice has to be this, you know, me establishing this deep, you know, soulful relationship with, with a god or a goddess. Um, that's not necessarily true either. Um, devotion, you know, that, that, that devotion does not have to invoke a deity at all. Um, and, and you'll still get stuff out of it because the, the point of, of the devotion you know, yes, it can be a commitment to a God, but really it's a commitment to yourself. Yeah. Um, it's a commitment to saying that I need to, to personally grow. I need to personally make a space for myself um, to, to check in spiritually and, and, and sort of understand, you know, what is the wherewithal internally that I have spiritually. Um, yeah. Devotion to self is, is, very very important whether you you follow a christian path or a jewish path or you know a pagan path it doesn't matter what path you follow or or none of the organized religion paths not the paganism is organized in any way shape or form <laughs> just saying <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
it, you know, devotion to self is vital because you don't have time to devote to a deity if you haven't devoted something to yourself. Um, nobody has time for that. Um, and it's funny, I'm, I'm not keen on the practice of smoking. However, smoking, that stepping out for that cigarette for 10 minutes can be a devotional to yourself because it separates you from what else is going on in your world. And it gives you a break from that. And just that break is kind of a devotional to yourself. It has all the elements. I mean, it has all the elements. It has all the elements, um, except for the fact that it's like incredibly toxic and you're destroying your body while you're doing it. Um, so, so, well, you know what? (laughs) We've known people that, that, you know, do devotionals that are toxic, you know? Oh, I know. Yes. We we were just having a conversation about toxic devotionals. So, yes. Um, (laughs) so, so a devotional can be toxic. Uh, that doesn't mean you should do it. Um, probably means you shouldn't do it. Um, but my point being is, is the, the elements of a devotion in my mind are, um, it's, it's a reflective practice, um, that you do consistently over time. And, and, you know, and that, that can take 10 seconds. It can take an hour. Um, it can involve a deity. It might not involve a deity, um, it can involve, you know, an elaborate setting with an altar and everything, or it can be, I'm going to go grab my mug of tea and look outside my window. And yeah. it's, it's, the, it's, you know, you have, if you can just break it down to, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to take this moment, you know, every day or every other day or once a week and, and, and take this moment and build this practice so that I can, can sort of cast an eye within and connect to spirit without. And, and that process, that sort of setup, um, it will change your life. It will change and it will, it will keep you grounded. I honestly, um, during the, the, when the pandemic, when, when lockdown started, my devotion became an absolute cornerstone to my mental health and survival. Oh, yeah. um, because without it, I, I honestly don't know where I would have ended up. Well, and, and that's an, that's an interesting thing too. Um, massive changes in your life, like the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for posterity, let's say that this is, is going to be available for years to come. We're talking the, the COVID shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, yeah, um, massive changes like that can change your devotional as well. So like if your devotional was your drive to work is when you do your, your mental devotional and now you no longer have it, what do you do? And I see this, I, before the shutdown, I saw this most often in people who had children. Yeah. Oh my God, I don't have time for that anymore. Okay. Well, it's not that you don't have time it's that that devotional practice no longer serves your greater purpose and 
I, I, I deal with this often and they feel guilty that they can't do it. But so I try to get them to change the perspective on what they should do. Okay. You need to come up with a new one for yourself, not, not for your deities, not for, you know, anything else, but you just have to change what you do. Yeah. Cause there's an incredible, cause honestly, you know, we're living in, in late stage capitalism and, you know, people have two and three jobs. People have, you know, two and three children that they're trying to get through school and they've got, you know, sick parents or sick kids or, you know, and, and, you know, all of those things that sort of creep in and, and suck away the day, suck away your mental and and physical energy. And so it can, I, I, I want to make space and make clear here that, um, that in the end, um, don't you can't if 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 trying to do this is going to break you that's the, the maybe not do it <laughs> um, and you know and i think it's it's very you know it can be very uh uh callous to look at somebody and say well you just have to make the time or you have time for the things that you have the highest priority for um and that's like that's a really that's a really crappy thing to say to somebody who's who's you who's know struggling who's struggling and can't, you know, and, and is, is balancing more than one person should have to balance. Um, you know, so I think it's important to sort of, to give permission to folks to, to, to be the sovereigns of their own lives enough to say, honestly, I don't have the spoons for this right now. I can't make it happen. And that's just going to have to be good enough and, and have that be okay. Um, and you know, it's, or, you know, also, if, you know, I only have time for this and it's small, but I'm just going to have to make that be, you know, small, but mighty in my life, you know, and that's going to be, I'm going to take a beat when I've got my mug of tea before my baby starts crying. And I'm going to go look at the street lamp outside on the window because it's 4am and take a couple sips of my tea and say, howdy to the universe. And that's, you know, that can be, that's a sufficient devotional practice. Um, and if it's all you can manage, then that is way good enough. Yes. Um, I think it's really important to sort of give people the space to understand that, that, um, your spiritual practices should work for you. You don't work for them. (laughs) Exactly. That's, and, and that's, what's beautiful about paganism is, it's it's about you and your relationship to the 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 ethos you know it's yeah and the same with your devotionals yeah and and it's it's and the other thing is is that life changes um when i started this path i had a very young child um and I was going through a whole bunch of life changes all at once. <laughs> um, I, I had taken a wrecking ball to my life and damn, <laughs> that was the thing. Um, and so what I had the bandwidth for was vastly different than, you know, now my kid is grown. 
and mostly grown. I mean, he still has needs. Um, you know, he's a teenager. Oh my God. My kids are grown and they still have needs. <laughs> That's true. You're right about that. But, but I guess my point being is, is I, I don't have to, like, there's that point where a kid's a toddler and like, literally, if you're not standing over that kid every second, you're like fearing for his life. And you know, that, that, and, and there's no getting away from that. You are on 24 seven and, and this little, you know, this little ninja of chaos is, is barreling through the day and you have to go where he leads and you don't really have a choice about that. And so, you know, but that's a finite period of, of life with a kid, you know, eventually the kid will get older and, and he will not be a chaos ninja in the same way. Um, at least not in the way where you have to follow him 24 seven. Um, and so, so your ability to change and adapt to that, uh, is important. Um, and so it's, it's understanding that, you know, the fact that you can't do it right now, doesn't mean you're never going to do it either is, is to understand that, that, you know, the wheel turns and things will change and, you know, you may get back to it at some point and that's okay too. And you aren't a bad person because for a period of time, you just didn't have the wherewithal to make, make a devotional happen. I see that, it, it, like I said, with, with children with babies, when I was growing up, um, I, I found this path after my kids were, were born and my oldest is uh, severely nonverbal autistic, but he expresses, that's what it's called. Um, he, he makes noise from the time he wakes up until the time he falls asleep. And I had to learn how to meditate and do devotionals. So I've had to like adapt and find different ways. And so now um, I, I have members of my coven who started this path before they had children. And so we include the kids because it's like, you have to be able to witch with distraction. Mm-hmm. And that's instrumental in your daily devotions and being able to evolve your daily devotions because you, like we said, you don't always have time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the kid's about to dump his cereal and milk and I need to do this thing. <laughs> right. Or you need to be able to interrupt it and be okay with that. Like, yes. okay. Um, hold this thought. Yeah, honey, you don't chase the cat with the drill. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you laugh. That actually is something that did come out of my mouth. It was a toy drill. Um, <laughs> but that is something that I have actually said to my child. <laughs> well, see, that sounds like something I would have done. <laughs> Oh yeah. So yeah, it's that, I think the bottom line is, is that, that, you know, I think it goes back to where we started, which is, you know, this whole idea that, that um, I think we all carry around this idea in our head of what we think a devotional is supposed to be and supposed to look like. Um, And I think we spend a lot of time judging ourselves for, for not living up to this thing in our head of what we think it's supposed to be. And, you know, I think the, the, the really awesome part of growing as a witch comes when you realize um, that whatever this thing is that I carry carrying in my head that I think I have to live up to is absolute garbage. 
Um, and, and I have to put myself in the here and the now and do the work that's in front of me with the tools I have in front of me and with the opportunities that I have in front of me and not get hung up on what could have been, should have been, would have been if things were different. Um, other people do. Exactly. Exactly. Because they're not me. They're not, they're not working with the challenges I've got. They're not working with the gifts I've got. Right. Um, that's the other half of this that I think is, is, is we forget that um, we don't have to live in, in the places that we lack, right. you know, we can be leaning into our strengths and leaning into the things that we know we do well, exactly. you know, so cool. Well, Lady Kelton, thank you so much. I have, I always enjoy talking to you. And so I'm really excited that I get to share this conversation with listeners. Um, thank you so much for being here. And um, for having me, my pleasure. And I hope you're going to come back because I hope we're going to do this again some more. And to everybody, thank you so much for listening in today. This has been Witchful Thinking Out Loud. And I am your host, Alethea. And thank you again. Sign up for the blog on Substack and keep listening. 